All right, we're continuing our series in summer in the Psalms, and we have a very special treat for you this morning. Uh, our executive pastor, Mo Tiemann, is going to come and bring the word to us. Wow, wow. Cat calls and everything else. I don't remember you getting any of that, Darren, last time. I'm just saying, I mean, I don't know. Welcome back to Darren and Shannon. We drove all the way back from L.A. yesterday. Lower Alabama, and uh, they are back with us after their their vacation. So um, it's been it's been really cool to hear um, all of our different pastors that are kind of in our midst share with us uh, over the year, but specifically over this summer with Pastor Shindell, of course, uh, leading us, and then Doc Easley last week and. It's just been, it's been really cool to be able to hear um, from the different men that are in our church and, and specifically through uh, a series like Summer in Psalms. And so we're going to continue that today and specifically Psalm 27. So if you have your Bibles with you, if you would open to Psalm 27, I'm going to read from my sword that was given to me by my mentor and pastor the day I got married to my bride 18 years ago. And, uh, oh, and, uh. I just love being able to use it and read actually from pages. I I don't have any problem with a mobile app. It's great, but I actually like to read from something tangible sometimes too. Psalm 27, starting in verse one, we're gonna read the whole chapter. It says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You'll notice this is the start of many of the Psalms of David, actually. Verse two, when the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. And starting at verse 7, it starts to take a bit of a different tone. It's as if he stopped writing. uh, Something happened in his life and picks it back up in verse 7 saying this, hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me, crying out for an answer. Verse eight, when you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, Lord, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me or forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Verse 11, teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witness have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Verse 14, which will be our text for today primarily, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And in this verse, he's actually talking to himself. He's reminding himself, wait on the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that um, 
guides us. Lord, may it work on our hearts today. May you work in our hearts today. Help us to receive what it is you have for us that we may leave differently than we came today. In your name, amen. Today, we will be learning about patience. Patience. Just in that one sentence of me delaying, just saying the sentence, you became impatient. Like, what's happening? This is weird. Patience. We, uh, we don't have a lot of patience as humanity, generally speaking. And I want to make sure we're working from a, uh, a, a, a definition that's consistent for today. Patience, as defined by Merriam-Webster, says the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, difficulty, or suffering without getting angry or upset. That is patience. And I don't know uh, about you, but at least one of those three, um, delay, difficulty, or suffering, seems to creep up into my life on a daily basis in some form or another. And if you live anywhere in this town trying to get somewhere at 5 o'clock, you understand patience, or rather impatience, like that guy that like, like you're waiting in line in your row, in your lane, and then there's that one lane that you know is going to end, and there's that guy that just comes all the way around. James Boyd, where are you at? He's that guy. We've had this conversation. We're just not good at patience. Humans in general are terrible at being patient. Uh, you, it starts young. It's natural. Uh, babies remind us uh, that they can't tolerate delay when it comes to uh, eating food. They remind us fairly quickly that they're hungry. And uh, as I have two teenage boys, um, I'm here to report that doesn't really change as they get older. Um, their ability to tolerate delay and difficulty when it comes time to eat uh, is still the same as if they were a child. Isn't that right, boys? Um, and if I'm being really honest, uh, I, uh, I, I'm just as bad as I'm a grown man. And everybody on staff knows that uh, I have to eat lunch at 1130, because if I don't, um, the, the distance between hunger and anger um, is really short for me. I become hangry in a heartbeat. I know I'm not the only one. I know I'm not the only one. But we are just, we're terrible at being patient. And so we're, we're going to study verse 14 of Psalm 27 today. Circle it, highlight it, underline it, um, come back to it in times of waiting, seasons of waiting on the Lord. And it says this, I'm going to repeat it one more time. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. We live in a culture of convenience. Um, it's fairly obvious. Our expectation for a response is immediate. And there was a study recently that um, looked at users, um, mobile app users, website users, and their response to a delay in that app or that website working. And what they found was that after two seconds, one 1,000, two 1,000, if your mobile app or website didn't load, 50% of the users were gone. Done. Two seconds, too long. At five seconds, 75% of users were gone. Too long. We are impatient people. This culture of convenience has created things like Amazon Prime, which is awesome. I'm a card-carrying member of Amazon Prime myself. Thank you very much. You can order anything you want at the, you know, with the thumb on your app and have it here in uh, two days, free shipping. But what they found out is two days is too long. Now they have launched Amazon Now in cities all over the country, including Nashville, if you live close to town, where you can order something and it can be there the same day. And if you're really lucky, within two hours. 
Amazon actually calculated that. Yes, this is true. Some of you guys are pulling up something funny on your on Amazon app right now. Water balloons, and you're seeing if it's going to be here in time for the picnic. I just know it. They actually did a study to see uh, what their delay would be if, if, in other words, if they used the app, if a user used the app, the Amazon Prime app, if it took one second longer to load, they found out that they would lose $1.6 billion a year. We do not have patience. Other examples are click, click list grocery shopping, which all the mamas are like, hallelujah. Uh, entertainment on demand, instead of going to a dinner and then a movie, you can now eat your dinner while you watch a movie. We've, we've made that more efficient now. Up in Franklin, you can do that. Patience. We have a culture of convenience. It's made our lives better, but it's kind of crept into our faith in a lot of ways. We get frustrated when the response time from our prayer isn't in the same day or in the same month, or if we're forced to wait a few years. We get angry when the Lord isn't moving quick enough in our situation, and the idea of waiting is so foreign to us that when we are forced to wait, our faith starts to crack. So we're going to look at three parts of this verse that hopefully leaves us with some encouragement on how to be patient. First, we're going to look at the purpose of patience, waiting on the Lord. Then the posture of patience, be of good courage, and the power of patience, strengthening your heart. Purpose of patience. When he says wait on the Lord, that word wait is kavah, which simply does mean wait in the Hebrew, but it means a little bit more than that. It means a stretching, a twisting, a turning, um, something that's, that's being forced into something else, that, in an eager anticipation of, of what it could be, attention. And waiting is uncomfortable in our lives. Is that not true? I mean, when we are forced to wait, there is a, a stretching that happens. It's an uncomfortable. We don't like to wait. And especially waiting on God can be lonely. We can feel betrayed. It's, am I waiting or have you left me? Isaiah paints this word picture Chapter 29, verse 16, he says, you turn things upside down as if the potter were thought to be like the clay. Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, you did not make me. Can the pot say to the potter, you know nothing. He continues later in chapter 45, verse nine. He says, what sorrow awaits those who argue with their creator? Does a clay pot argue with its maker? Does the clay dispute with the one who shapes it saying, stop, you're doing it wrong. Does the pot exclaim, how clumsy can you be? It's this word picture of the, the clay pot talking to its maker, the, the potter, that says, what you're doing right now, the, the, the forcing and the kneading and the stretching, it hurts and it's painful. Do you have any idea what you're doing? That's this word picture, and I feel like many of us can feel that way when we're going through a time of waiting. I think of Noah, who uh, was asked to build an ark, and he started on the ark. And by the time he started on the ark and the first drop of rain fell, anybody know how long that was? It was 75 years of waiting. But he was obedient and there was a purpose for his patience. I think of Moses who led the Israelites out of captivity, out of Egypt, into what was to be the promised land as an 11-day journey. It took him how long? 40 years. 
There was a purpose in his patience. And a lot of that came from the disobedience and the whining and the complaining of the Israelites. But they needed to learn something. There was a purpose in their patience. I also think of Joseph, who was sold into slavery by his brothers, completely betrayed, and then 27 years later becomes their king, ruler over all. There was a purpose in his patience to become king. And then Abraham, Abraham was promised a son. He was given a promise by the Lord that he would have a son. The problem with that is that his wife was barren. It seemed impossible. How can we get pregnant if we were barren? But it was a promise that the Lord gave. 100 years later, she gets pregnant. It's a miracle. He didn't have to wait a second. He waited a century. A hundred years goes by. Let's read Hebrews 6, 11 through 15. Hebrews 6, 11 through 15 illustrates this a little bit. The writer of Hebrews says, starting in verse 11, and we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. Patience. That you do not become sluggish, tired, but imitate those who through the faith and patience inherit the promises. Through the faith, that you would imitate those through the faith. In other words, look back into scripture and be reminded of how faithful I was. Verse 13, for when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, surely blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. The payment for your promise is patience. I believe that the payment for your promise is patience. It takes time and that there is a purpose for it. And if you are waiting on something, typically it's... um, He's working on something special and extraordinary in your life. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, Psalms 139, 14. It's unique to you. It's handcrafted. He's working in your waiting. It just takes time. And I think if we can start to understand that there is a purpose for our patience, we can start to move to a posture of patience. And what does that mean? The second part of our primary text today Psalm 27, 14, the second part of that says, be of good courage. Or more accurately rendered would be, let your heart be courageous. Which is kind of an interesting thought, letting our heart be courageous. It suggests that there's maybe a posture or a stance that we would take during a time of patience. Something that a, a warrior or a fighter would, would, would stand firm and, and press ahead that doesn't waver. They're moving forward, not retreating. Courage. They would have courage. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Paul is speaking to the Corinthians and says, Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast or patient, immovable, grounded, firm, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. It's not in vain. There is a purpose for it. And because of that, we are to have a posture of courage, a posture of patience. I used to, um, I used to coach football at the middle school down the road uh, for a few years. And that in of itself is a test of patience. 
uh, teaching middle school <laughs> 11, 12, 13-year-old boys uh, how to play football, which I love. I absolutely loved it. But man, I have stories for days about that. Um, one of the things we would teach our, our offensive line guys and our defensive line guys is that they would have a proper stance um, so that they wouldn't get completely demolished uh, off the ball. And what I mean by that is that they would have their, their shoulders over their knees, over their toes, that they were in anticipation for what's next so they didn't get steamrolled when the, when the ball was hiked. They would have a proper stance. And I believe and I think that's a pretty good analogy as to how we should be waiting for the Lord with courage, not with expectation that he's going to answer our prayer exactly the way we want it, but anticipation that he's going to answer it in some way. The good or the bad, Lord, I am ready, I am eager and waiting for whatever you have for me. A posture of courage, a posture of patience. But I also think we have kind of a, a Hollywood version of courage that we immediately go to when we hear that word. We think of these um, acts of bravery in war or uh, the kid that stands up to the bully or pushing ourselves like beyond the physical limits, courage, this big idea of courage. But I think it's more than that. No one necessarily associates courage with being patient or waiting, but it's true. I found a quote this week that I feel like summed this up a little bit better. It's by an author, Mary Ann Radmaker. She says this, courage doesn't always roar. Sometimes courage is the silent voice at the end of the day that says, I will try again tomorrow. There's a paraphrase of Psalm 27, 14 that's similar as well. It says this, it's really hard and I understand more than you can ever imagine. I just need you to be strong right now. Let your heart have the courage to trust me and wait. Believe me, it takes courage to do that. But rely on me, and I will give you the strength to do it. And then David actually repeats himself again later in the Psalms. Chapter 31, verse 24, he says, Be strong, let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. And again, Courage is simple. We have this idea of courage as this big, bold, loud, roaring thing that we must do, but it's actually in the little things. Posture of patience is courage. Courage is saying sorry. Courage is saying I love you when you don't feel like it. Courage is being truthful with yourself. Courage is learning to let go of something you've been holding on to. Courage is standing up for something you believe in. Courage is doing something new. Courage is learning to trust again. Courage is standing up for yourself. Courage is learning to love again. Courage is being vulnerable. Courage is asking for help. And a couple weeks ago, Pastor Shindell, um, in his sermon, asked that question. If you need help, would you be willing to be courageous? And many of you did. It was an incredible response. Courage is, the, is stopping to rest, which is so hard for us. We're so busy. But courage says rest. Courage is waiting. Courage is patience. Once we understand that there's a purpose for our patience, and we understand the proper posture for our patients, we can understand the power that we have through patience.
I found an article in the Harvard Magazine that was posted in 2013. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm quoting Harvard Magazine articles like Darren does now. All I need now is like these clicky glasses. <laughs> I'll be in good shape. I'm going to borrow them. You're rubbing off on me, Darren. Yeah. Professor Jennifer Roberts performed a study that looked at how teachers could increase students' ability to learn and experience information more attentively and impactfully in ways that were counter to the high-speed technological modes of learning of today. She stated, now follow me, we're going to go deep here for a second. Listen. I want to conclude with some thoughts about teaching patience as a strategy. The deliberate engagement of delay should itself be a primary skill that we teach to students. It's a very old idea that patience leads to skill, of course, but it seems urgent now that we go further than this and think about patience itself as the skill to be learned. The virtue of patience was originally associated with forbearance or suffering. It was about conforming oneself to the need to wait for things. But now that one not need wait for things, culturally speaking, patience becomes an active and positive cognitive state. Patient no longer connotes disempowerment. Perhaps now patience is power. In other words, traditionally we view patience as a means to an end. Uh, a lesson to be learned. And I, I want to suggest that that's called passive patience. And what this professor uh, suggests is what the scripture repeats over and over again is that we should actually start with an attitude of patience so that when there is difficulty and delay and suffering, we have acceptance and understanding. Therefore, it gives us power and strength to overcome or endure or persevere. It's a way of living. Joe, throw that graphic up real quick. It's this idea, passive patience versus active patience. Passive patience being a challenge or obstacle or whatever we're facing, we accept that there's a delay in not getting an answer for whatever it could be in your life. It could be um, your health. It could be relationships. It could be marriage, your job, whatever that is. We accept that there's a delay in not having an answer. And then we learn patience. Over time, we learn patience. And there's nothing wrong with that. We need to learn patience. But what, again, the scripture suggests is that we actually start with the heart of patience. The spirit living inside of us. Galatians 5.22 talks about the fruit of the spirit of one of those being what? Long-suffering, patience. That we start there so that when a challenge or obstacle faces us, we move immediately to understanding and hope. Active patience something that we start with, we live with. It's our starting point. It's not the end result. It's the evidence of the spirit living inside of us. I want to remind us that we can regain our strength and the power over our lives through patience. Paul speaks of this again in Colossians, Colossians 1, 11. He says, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with what? Joy. He goes on later in chapter three to say, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. The key action in that verse is what? Clothe, clothe yourself. Dare I say, many of us walk around spiritually naked a lot. We forget to start our day by clothing ourselves with these things. 
We forget to clothe ourselves with compassion when we leave for the day. We forget to clothe ourselves with kindness before we head out to work. We forget to clothe ourselves with humility when we seek the Lord. We forget to clothe ourselves with gentleness, and we forget to clothe ourselves in patience in the morning to start our day. There is a purpose in what you're going through. I need you to hear me to say that today. There is a purpose for what you're going through, and it requires courage to get through it and that you do have the power of the Holy Spirit to persevere and overcome. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know I'm reading a lot of scripture verses today, but that's where I'd rather the scripture preach the sermon than me, to be honest with you. 29, 11. It's a familiar verse. We say it over and over again, but I feel it applies. For I know the plans I have for you. He knows the plans. He knows it may take a while. And that's where the tension comes from. He knows the plans, we don't. But he does know them, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. He has the best in mind for you. He is a good father. To give you a what? A future and a hope. It doesn't say to give you a now, but a future. And there's a process for the future. For us to get to the future, we have to go through a process. Romans 5, 4. Simple verse. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. That we would start with patience and end up with hope. There's a process. You know, I think of my, uh, my boys when they, were, when they were little. They were super eager. I mean, they are very athletic kids and always on the move and active. So starting when they were like, you know, three, four years old, they wanted to ride a bike and... Um, one son in particular, Micah, didn't want to use the training wheels because that's not cool. He wanted to be a big boy, ride the bike. Didn't want the training wheels. But what did we have to say as parents? Not yet. We need to keep those training wheels on there for a reason. To train you. It was not yet. Need you to wait. I remember one summer as well, we went to uh, one of our favorite places. We're from Ohio. One of our favorite places in Ohio is Kings Island some of the biggest, baddest roller coasters in the world. The craziest rides that I will not get on, but my kids will. I'm, working, I'm actually working to overcome that. That's one thing that I'm working on myself so that my kids don't have to ride the roller coasters by themselves and lame dad standing there watching and waving. Uh, but I remember when they were like seven or eight years old and it was like the release of this brand new roller coaster called the Diamondback. And they were just so excited about this thing. And I remember, I think it was Gabe. Gabe walks up, you know, to the measuring stick or whatever, and he is literally like just in less than an inch from riding this thing. And he just, his heart was crushed. And we're like, I'm trying to like, you know, convince the, you know, the teenage girl that's sitting there, like, can you just let him go? Like, it's fine. He's that close. And no. And it was wait. You have to wait. I'm, the Lord was still trying to grow him. He still needed to be stretched so that that year later passed that he could ride it. And I also think of Jesus in the garden right before he's about to be crucified. What did he say? He said, Lord, let this cup pass from me. In other words, can we get this over with? But what did his father say? Not yet. Not your will be done, but mine. 
and he had to go through that. Jesus is so patient with us. How many times have we've tried to hurry the process along and, and, and just try to get to that future hope now, but when it's a process, and the Lord has been so patient with us the entire time. My encouragement for you today is three things. You would understand that there is, uh, there's a process in this, there's a purpose in your patience, that you would have courage, you would have the proper posture, that you would be anticipating whatever that Lord has for you, that you have the power to get through it, you could persevere through the Holy Spirit living within you. We stand as we close today. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for your patience with us. We want to hurry the process. Lord, we want to do things without training wheels sooner than we should. Lord, help us to have patience. Lord, help us to have the courage to rest. Lord, help us to have the courage to trust. Help us to have the courage to trust you, that you have the best for us. Lord, as you mold us and shape us into the clay pot that you would have for us, help us to trust that entire process, even through the pain of it all. Lord, I pray that starting today, Lord, that we can clothe ourselves in patience in the littlest things to the biggest things because we know the promise you have for us and the hope that we can live in. Lord, we thank you for today. We ask it in your name. Amen.